Hey there, welcome back to the More With Nikki Dutton podcast. It's always a joy for me that any of you would take the time to tune in. And if you've been along for the ride for a while, you have heard me talk about the incredible work I get to do with an organization called A21. A21 is an anti-human trafficking organization. And if you're still trying to wrap your mind around what human trafficking is and how it works. Essentially, it's the illegal trade of human beings. It's the recruitment, control, and use of people for their bodies and for their labors. So it can affect people on such different scales. It can look like child trafficking in our own country and many countries around the world. It can look like sex trafficking. It can look like labor trafficking in men and in women. And so right now there are an estimated 40.3 million people who are being enslaved to human trafficking. And this industry generates around $150 billion per year. So it is a massive issue happening in every country around the world. And I have an episode that I'll include in the show notes of where I tell my story of getting involved with A21 in the anti-human trafficking movement. But today, A21 is turning 15 years old. And I thought, what better way to talk about the story and celebrate the wins and the monumental work that's been done towards freedom than to invite one of our leaders at A21 Annie Cardos on the podcast and to let her share the story from the very beginning because she was actually the first person to be on paid staff with A21. And 15 years later, she is still running hard and fast in this fight against human trafficking. Plus, she's just so fun and it is just a joy to get to spend time with her. Before we jump into this incredible conversation, one of my favorites that I've had in a long time, I just want to take a second to thank a sponsor for this podcast, Olive and June. Olive and June believes that no matter who you are, where you live, what you do, what you wear, you can have the perfect manicure that makes you feel like your best self. And you can get these beautiful nails whenever you want on your own time at home how everything comes in Olive and June's manicure system box that you need. So there's no guessing or additional tools that are needed. You can get a salon quality manicure at home by customizing it with your choice of six nail polishes. They have beautiful colors just in time for spring. And this polish doesn't chip and lasts seven days or more, which breaks down to just $2 a manicure. So it's really, really cost-effective in these unsure financial times. You can visit oliveandjune.com slash Nick Dutton for 20% off of your first manicure system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E.com slash N. I-K-K-D-U-T-T-O-N for 20% off of your first manicure system. All right, let's talk to Annie. Annie, you're on our team at A21, and you're not only on our team, you're kind of leading the fearless charge in this anti-trafficking <laughs> movement in a lot of ways. So before we get into all of that, I would love for you just to talk to anyone who doesn't know you. What does your life look like? Where in the world do you live? Like yeah. anything about who Annie is. Oh my goodness. Where to start? Okay. (laughs) I am an American living in Greece. I'm married to a Greek man with two little Greek American boys. And um, yeah, I feel like I'm living the dream. I was born in California. I grew up on a farm in St. Louis, Missouri. I met my husband while I was living in Australia and I moved to Greece about 10 years ago. And I have been working with A21 since the very beginning, been working with our founders, Nick and Christine Kane, um, from before that. Actually, I was the first person they ever put on staff. So um, yeah, my life, I've worn a lot of different hats over the years. I've learned a lot of things, learned a lot of things the hard way. Um, but yeah, I I have been on this wild adventure um, with A21 from the beginning and love it. Wouldn't, wouldn't change a thing. Life today is full, like yes. so full <laughs> um, between being a mom, working full time, um, still trying to learn Greek <clears throat> after 10 years. Yeah. Um, boredom is not, uh, is not an English word that I can no longer relate to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, I've forgotten that word in the English language because it doesn't apply to me anymore. <laughs> oh, well, and true. this is not even in our questions that we were going to talk about. But yesterday on our global team call, I did not know this, that Easter in Greece is such a big deal. I did not know. It's huge. It's It's the biggest holiday. It's the biggest holiday. And when I first moved here, I was like, this is my new favorite holiday. Like it is, 
Um, it's what Easter's all about, but it is like family time and the traditions that, that go oh, on are yes. just, it, it's yeah. If everyone, I think everyone needs to experience Easter in Greece <laughs> sometime in their life. Yeah. I, I told yeah. my husband last night at dinner about it. I said, you know, we have a few global team members that were saying that Easter in Greece is an experience. So I was yeah. like, and the food, I, I remember oh, yes. hearing about the food <laughs> yesterday. So I was like, you have to go for that. <laughs> And you said that you've been a part of the A21 whole journey since the very beginning. And I mean, how did you get involved? I know you said that you were in Australia, but what was that beginning process like for you? Yeah, good question. Well, I moved to Australia in, I think it was 2004, to study for a year. It was my plan. I was going to go to Australia for a year. And at the end of that year, um, I had known Nick and Chris. At the end of that year, they asked if I would consider staying in Australia one more year because they were just getting some things up and going with their ministry called Equip and Empower. And so they were like, hey, would you stay on? Would you stay in Australia one more year and, you know, help us get some things running? So I was like, okay. So, so did that, jumped in and, um, yeah, our, our team at the beginning was just me and volunteers. And so one year turned into two, two turned into three. And about that time, um, they came back from a trip and it was, it was about the same time a little girl named Madeline McCann had been, uh, had disappeared. And, Mm -hmm. um, there was posters, Interpol, the international police had put, posters all in airports everywhere. And Nick and Chris saw them like, what's going on? And they noticed this little girl, which then made them notice other pictures of missing kids. And like, what's, are there this many missing kids in Europe? Like what's happening? And, um, anyway, long story short, somebody told them about human trafficking. Maybe, maybe this little girl was trafficked and what's that? And I remember, I remember Chris coming back and asking me if I had heard of human trafficking before. And I was like, Nope. <laughs> What's I've heard of drug trafficking. What's human trafficking? Right. And right. Um, she was very like very burdened to do something about it. And at that time, the strategy was not let's go start an anti-human trafficking organization. At that time, right. it was like let's find out what's really going on and let's see mm-hmm. what we can do and how we can use our sphere of influence to help spread the word about this and raise some awareness and raise some money and you know help. And so anyway, we started, the more we, the more research we did, the bigger we realized that the problem really was and how it is a crime that is so much hidden in plain sight. And, um, we started looking for organizations to support and, um, long story short, <laughs> we couldn't find an organization. Chris, Chris really wanted to find, um, an organization that was in Europe. She's got Greek roots and, um, really wanted to find an organization that was not just doing advocacy, but that was actually assisting survivors as well. And anyway, long story short, uh, we couldn't find an organization that we really wanted to get behind. And so I remember the day that Chris was like, well, then we'll do it. And by this time, now I've done my research. Now I've learned about the mafia <laughs> yes. and like, you know, okay, what the, we're going to do what? <laughs> we're going right. to do what? I mean, all the ways it's connected to organized crime and <laughs> just global like issues. Yes. You're like, wait, this yes. is a huge, huge thing. Massive, massive. Absolutely. But I mean, if you know, if you know Chris, you know that she doesn't do things by halves and um, mm-hmm. she has got this, you know, this tenacity about her that's like, you know, we're, we're going to do it and we're going to make a difference. And so we started, I felt like, I felt like we jumped off a cliff and we're like, quick, build the airplane. We're falling. Like, so we're <laughs> mid fall trying to start building this thing. And um, slowly, slowly, we, you know, we started building team. And that is, that is the one consistent thing that I have been doing since day one is helping build team. And it started with a team of volunteers and it has now grown, um, to a team of over 150 people around the world. And it's, it is surreal. Hey, it is, it is surreal surreal to see what a 21 has become. It is still like when I see a, can you see me campaign, um, like a billboard or an advertisement in an airport. Like I remember walking into Heathrow airport in London and going, Oh my yep. gosh, I can't, this is so surreal. <laughs> but, I still yeah. feel that way. Anytime <laughs> I see it, I pull out my phone and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Pictures, recording. I'm like, I can't believe this. This is wild. I have it seen is. this on my computer or in these meetings and here it is for millions of people to walk yeah. by and see. It's really it humbling. Is. It's really humbling. 
it's very humbling. <laughs> Especially when you know at the beginning, we didn't know what we were doing. Like we really didn't have a clue. So, I mean, it just goes to show you, hey, you can feel completely unqualified, but if, you, if you're willing to do the work and dive in, you can, you can actually make a big difference in uh, what you're going after. So, well, yeah. and I was going to oh, ask, was it ever intimidating? Like when oh, yes. I think about you guys <laughs> starting, and you're realizing that, okay, these missing children may be related to human trafficking. Oh, human trafficking mm-hmm. is this big global issue. Oh, that's related to organized crime in some really scary ways. Now we're involving ourselves. Like, were you ever intimidated? Because I, I think even for myself getting started on our team, I constantly thought, I don't I don't think I know enough. I don't think I know enough to do something. And then once you're on the team long enough, you realize like, actually, yes, you have everything that you need to make a difference right where you are. But what was that feeling like for you at the beginning of that, like just intimidation and like, what are we doing? (laughs) Yeah, I I absolutely was intimidated. Absolutely felt like, you know, we were a bunch of kids that didn't know what we were doing, that just had a bunch of passion and knew we wanted to make a difference. We knew what the problem was. Um, and we're just willing to do whatever, whatever we could to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think one of the things we did right was we didn't try to like come off like we had it all together. We have always been like, you know, we're just giving in Australia, they say, give it a go. We're just going to give this a go. We're going to, we're going to try, we're going to give our best and see what happens. And I think one of the things we did right was we asked a lot of questions in the beginning days, um, we, myself and another girl who was helping do a lot of the research at the beginning, we, we found that in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, there's like this concentration of a bunch of different anti-human trafficking organizations. So like, mm. let's go to Cambodia and go from organization to organization and just ask them, how do they do this? What are they seeing? What are their challenges? How do you start? How do you, what, what does security look like? What does your aftercare program look like? And so that's what we did. So we went, we met with, you know, IJM, White Lotus, Hagar, like different organizations throughout Phnom Penh, Cambodia, and just took notes and just learned as much as we could, built relationship there. Um, a couple of the people that we connected with really helped us in the next phases of, of getting going. And, uh, yeah, I think it was coming with that posture of, you know, we don't know what we're doing. We are absolutely intimidated, but we're not going to let our intimidation stop us. Let's just keep learning. Let's just keep asking questions. And, um, I think that made massive difference because at the beginning we wanted to do it all. We were going to rescue, we were going to do restoration, (laughs) we were going to do prosecute, everything. And I remember sitting down with, um, it was actually somebody from IJM and he was like, Hmm. no, no, no you're not going to go in and kick down doors and try to do rescues. Like you will get eaten alive and really Mm -hmm. underscored the importance of us of working with like seeing the long game and um, working with the police, working with local governments, taking the time to build and establish good quality relationships there, finding out what is the need in the country. Don't be the foreigners that come in that think you've got all the answers. You're going to swoop in with your great rescue plan, but really work with the locals on the ground who know the day in and the day out, and they can tell you exactly where the holes are. So you just come in and ask, what do you need? How can I help? And you will learn so much just from that, that you'll then go, okay, that's where the holes are that this, and we're going to come alongside you. And that's, that's been our posture of how we, every Every new location where we have gone, um, that's how we try to really walk in is just going, who's already here? Who's doing what that's working? Okay, we don't need to do that. Where's the gaps? How can we fill the gaps? Um, who needs help? How can we help? And, and really approach it that way. And yeah. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because um, since I've been with A21 coming up on four years now, one thing that I learned from the beginning is that we are a part of a coalition of anti-human trafficking work and organizations. And we don't claim to have the full solution. And we work alongside other nonprofits and agencies and governments. And I mean, it really is like a collaborative effort. And that's the kind of effort that will actually see change. So I think if anyone kind of raises their flag of we're the hero, we're going to do it all. We're going to make this whole thing disappear. You, you would get burnt out very, very quickly. And you just, your, your growth would be stunted. You know, why not reach across the aisle and grab hands and be like, okay, this is what we're going to do and let's do it together. And that's one thing I've loved about A21. And so as I work kind of with our supporters and helping people who want to fund and 
give towards A21, understand the work that we do, I tell them like it really, we focus a lot on that mobilization piece. Mm -hmm. We want Mm -hmm. every person to feel equipped to know what to do in their city, in their state, in their country, in their neighborhood. And then we also focus really heavily on assisting survivors who have come out of trafficking situations, not just to stay within our house, but to be restored to a life of independence and then to be able to stand on their own feet and pursue their own dreams and to be given back the life that they want to have and to be furthered. That's really what we do. And then there are so many other organizations that are working anywhere in between and on that spectrum that are doing the same thing in different things. And it's been pretty incredible to see it all come together. It has been. It really has been. And I think, I think it, it would be such an arrogant stance to be like, you know, we're, we can do it by ourselves. We've got it all figured out. I mean, this is a massive, massive yeah. issue on the globe and it's going to take all of us. And yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's the only way well, to go about it. Hey. It is. It is. I, I mean, I've only ever done this work with A21, so it's the only way I know how to do it. I don't really know <laughs> right. how to do it any other way. Um, but yeah, I think it's right. It seems right. It seems like it's working. Well, and how, what was that moment like when A21 started to expand? So you start at the very, very beginning. You know, you have, mm-hmm. you, you and Chris and Nick and a couple others become aware of this issue. So you start on a very small scale. What can we do? Mm-hmm. How can we make a difference? And then pretty quickly it starts to expand and it starts to go into other countries and it starts to go across borders and across oceans. What was that part in A21's story like for you? Oh my gosh. I felt like we were running at Mach 10 with our hair on fire. It was, um, (laughs) it it started and then we, we, Greece was actually the first place where we opened an office um, and a shelter um, and a hotline. And it felt like we started and then we started learning some things the hard way. It took a long time to build a relationship. And that those first year or two maybe felt a little bit more slow. And then all of a sudden it took off. And it went from Greece to Bulgaria to Ukraine to the U.S. to London, um, all within. It was actually 10. Last year, we celebrated a bunch of our team's 10-year mm-hmm. anniversary. So we actually we hired wild. a bunch of people 10, well, that's going to be 11 years ago now. Um, but yeah. we realized what that at 10, so, okay, now it's going to be 11 years, 11 years ago, yeah. we hit yep. this like growth spurt. So we were four years in, right? And that's when I feel like the things just really started to escalate and mm-hmm. we grew very fast. We grew very fast. And it was almost like we weren't pursuing it. Opportunities just kept popping up in different locations. And we, <laughs> we have, we, we just have a hard time saying no. when there's just like, this is such a great opportunity. There's such a need to be met. Mm-hmm. We can do it. We can stretch a little bit more and stretch a little bit more. And, um, it was very fast and you're, you start to expand into different countries and now you're learning different cultures and how the trafficking right. dynamics are different from culture to culture. And, you know, we were very much learning as we went, um, in terms of what the different needs were in the different locations. And so, um, like I said, just kept that posture of asking questions, trying to find the greatest need and meet that need. Um, that I think that also, uh, lent, like paved the way for us being able to actually be successful in those areas we started to go into. But it was, it was fast. And it was, fast. <laughs> it was very, it was, it was very fast. And then we took um, a few years and got really intentional and strategic. And um, I feel, and, th- and then 2020 hit. And I think yes. that that started, that was like a, uh, oh my gosh, what's happening? And at that point, mm-hmm. it was, um, we had we had team all over the planet and everybody started mm-hmm. going Yeah, I was on team lockout. during this time. Yeah. So I was starting to like kind of witness this from the front row. So yes, you're saying everyone right. started going into lockdowns. It Everyone's, varied place to yeah. place, country to country. Yeah, and it's, it's one, like we're in a, we're in an industry, I guess you could say, where you can't work from home. There's no such thing as remote work mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. you need to work with a survivor. You need, like, they actually right. need shelter. They need, so we had um, instances where <laughs> here in Greece, um, we had some instances where, you know, people didn't know what this pandemic was and they were afraid to go out and, um, like, 
be kind of more on the the front lines of the rescuing side of things because it's like, what are we battling here? It's not just traffickers anymore. It's some unknown disease. So we being on the front lines of that, but from from my perspective and um, my role. So I stepped into the HR role about five years ago. Mm-hmm. So when okay. 2020 hit, I, I was in the HR role and um, when everybody went into lockdown, it was like, okay, how do we keep our team united and stay on the same page in the midst of all of this. Because now we've got a bunch of people going, okay, we work for a charity. The world is in like such a state of uncertainty right now. Are people going to stop giving? Are are we going to have a job next month? Are we going to have funding to be able to continue this work? Like what is going to happen in the earth (laughs) at this time? And so we decided. Very question. (laughs) Yeah. And so we decided to um, start doing global team meetings, right? So every week we decided to have our entire global team hop on one Zoom call. And you were there and you remember like I it was, was every yep. week. It was every week. It was. Like, it was well, lockdown anyway. Listen, it was. It was a little too much to be But it was so fun. It was ah. It, it helped. so fun. It helped us stay on the same page and um, mm-hmm. really hear the hearts of our leaders. And I think... I also do think like from the beginning years, Nick and Chris, the one thing they've been so consistent, well, they've been consistent in many things, but one of the things has been just being so releasing of the team to, you know, be creative and, and try something new and um, give, they make room for a lot of input for us to be able to input into the organization. And in that year in 2020, like them pulling in close and like one of the things I learned in that was the importance of communication, the importance of just, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if there is silence, people will always fill in that gap in a negative way. It's always, you know, it's quiet because something's wrong. So, um, yeah, I saw Nick and Chris really lean into that and be there for the team and say, Hey, we are, we are going to get through this and we are going to look after our team in the midst of this and, um, checked in with everybody, I've really learned the importance of feedback as well and making sure that you create space for people to give that feedback and to how are you doing? What do you think about this? Tell us how do you think about, you know, how things are going with the pandemic and how we're handling things. Like, do you feel like we're communicating enough? And, you know, what, yes. are, what are some of your worries and concerns? Um, some things like that. So it was, yeah, it was a really interesting time, but I think it was also um, – it was a time where it could, we could have um, been rocked to a point of like shrinking back a bit or losing right. a bit of the momentum that we had with the team. But I actually think we came out of 2020 stronger than when we went into it. I think, I think so our too. team was stronger, more united, more on the same page. Um, and I, I just... I'm in awe. Like it, And I'm not even saying that like, oh, we did something so awesome or any of that. Like I... I really do think that um, there's just that element of like in times of uncertainty, like communicating and and being there for each other mm-hmm. in that it just yeah, helps 100%. so much. hundred percent. And I mean, having, I, I don't know the exact number right now. Do you know how many offices we have in how many countries? <laughs> I have the hardest time keeping track of that. I, was. I think I think it's 19 offices in 14 yes, countries. I think I you're think. right. I think does you're that right. Sound right. Yes, yeah. it I does. I feel like all, our team things are growing so quickly I that know. all of us will say it, and sometimes I'm like, "Wait, is that right? Or is that?" It's I think so we're true. missing one. <laughs> you know, but I think we have 19 offices yeah. and 14 countries right now, which means, and we were just on a global call this week. It means that we have team members who are constantly going through their own country struggles at different times in different ways. And so that was so evident during 2020 and the effects of the pandemic. But that's also been true in the last few years is we have teams who are in different areas of conflict or there's different, I always laugh, there's different power surges and they (laughs) shut down power and so on. Like Zoom's little bit. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they're about to turn (laughs) our power off. It's like crazy things. That for me, I had been with a nonprofit before this, and it was an amazing, amazing nonprofit. Um, But it was more focused just on the area of the U.S. that we were in, whereas A21, a big appeal for me was getting to be a part of a global team and getting to expand my understanding of the world and 
just what's happening in the world at a larger scale. And it is, it is truly remarkable when you're sitting on a Zoom call with these people and it just busts you out of your little world to hear yeah. what somebody else is experiencing. <laughs> and we all come around this one goal. We're all like huddled around this one fire pit of like, yeah. we want to see every person set free from human trafficking. And so we're all gathered around that. But as you're standing around that fire pit, you look to your right and your left and you're realizing that the way that that person is having to fight for this looks so different than the way that I'm having to fight for it and vice versa. And you can go around the circle and just share story after story after story of overcoming, of um, just undescribable favor with government or this breakthrough. It's, It's amazing. It's amazing. It is amazing. It is it is incredible. And it makes you realize too, every time I get on one of those global calls, I realize I become so much more self-conscious of my own culture, my own Americanism, yeah. my own like – <laughs> Yeah, even even yesterday when we were on our call, like there's a couple of times like not everybody knows what this means. <laughs> I gotta break it down, like define this. And yeah, you yeah. Do or you'll realize. say, "Hey, reminder to everyone: not everyone <laughs> is speaking English as their first language right. here." And yeah. it's like I I don't even think about that because right. we're coming from this very American perspective. Right. I know. Forty two percent of our team. You're like. Yeah. And you're like, how? <laughs> and and their, their English is beautiful. And you're talking yeah. about how hard yeah. it has been to learn Greek. I'm like, wow, I feel like such a Ugh, wuss so that hard. I do not speak a second <laughs> language. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, it's remarkable. Oh, they are amazing. Our team, our team is absolutely amazing. And I know like when we get on those calls, the ones where English isn't their first language, when we, especially when we go into the breakout rooms, it makes oh. them so nervous because they're like, oh no, I have to speak. Yeah. <laughs> But they're amazing. If you had put me in a breakout room with someone in Bulgaria and oh, asked me to speak speaking. Bulgarian, yeah. I, I mean, there's no possible <laughs> way. I couldn't even tell you what my name is. Like, I would have no idea. So totally. it's, it's amazing. We really do work with the best people on the planet. And that's what I love. Your role is different from my role. But in the same way, we just get to shine a spotlight on the people who we work with that are yeah. doing the hard work, that are on yeah. the front lines, that are, they're not asking for a thank you. They're not asking for a spotlight. They're just asking for anyone just to support and like make the work that they do possible just to keep it going. And our job gets to be to just build those people up and to make sure that these people that are very hidden, unsung heroes, now Mm -hmm. people can know they're doing this like life-saving work. And, you know, today when this podcast release, it will be A21's 15th birthday, which is so exciting. And so I was curious, do you have any other like stories or memories from the last 15 years that stand out that are just special? Oh, I've got a ton. It's hard to pick. There's, but there's one, um, the, the year that I moved to Greece, the same month that I moved to Greece, there was a girl that was rescued at the same time. And it's quite different to, gosh, there's a million different stories I could tell, but I, some of the ones that stand out are getting to meet the survivors. And there, there was one that, um, was rescued the same month that I moved here and I got to watch her whole journey. So I got to see, I got to see her right when she was rescued and how she, um, she didn't want to look you in the eye. She was, she was very, um, intimidated, but angry at the same time, didn't believe anything. Um, like I remember her, I remember her not believing me that, um, I didn't speak Greek and like she, <laughs> I was like, I just like, moved well, here. Believe to- me. I'm trying. <laughs> like, I just moved here. I don't know anything, <laughs> but I got to go, I got to be friends with her. Um, I led a, a connect group at the time for, for young girls and she ended up joining my connect group and I got just to know her on a more personal oh, wow. level and got to really walk with her through some through some challenging times, just like normal young girl challenging time stuff. Yeah. But then also um, was there when when they caught her trafficker and the, her, the trial came up and she had to testify. Mm-hmm. And one of the tactics that the traffickers use is they will delay, they will try and delay the court case over and over again until the witness yep. doesn't show up. And it's so hard for the survivors to go testify in the courtroom right. because they have to go face their trafficker again and they have to be interrogated by a lawyer trying to prove that they wanted it and that they, it was their choice and, and they just, it's humiliating and it's, it's horrible. And so many different times, I think it was, I think it was about five times 
she would we would prepare and get ready for her to go to the trial and then the trafficker wouldn't show and then she'd come back so it's like this up and down roller coaster and then the final time like the, there's a limit on how many times a trafficker can do that final time he had to come she did testify and we ended up winning that case it was a massive win I got to be there for that and her dream was to be able to go to university and to and to study psychology and um, we got we able to get a scholarship for her to a university and she ended up graduating like top of her class getting married like she's it's just been amazing to kind of see that whole journey and I mean I just told you about how things started we didn't know what we were doing so every time you get to see like if it was only for that one like to watch somebody's life be completely impacted and turned around and and really like I could honestly say if it was only for her it was worth it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that that was one of the ones because I got to like really build such a close relationship with her that was one of the ones that really stands out to me is like such a special precious thing and also because my journey in Greece kind of paralleled with hers is like you know she had been rescued the same time that I came here and yeah, it was, it was incredible. It was, wow. it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing to see. And there's still days I'm like, I can't believe this is working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It works. I can't believe it's working. But, yeah. Um, and I mean, yes. I know we're, we're elevating how incredible our team are and, and it is, I do feel like we work with some of the best people on the planet, but at the end of the day, we're all ordinary humans living yeah, ordinary lives absolutely. Like, limbility, like limits and liabilities and so yeah to to turn around and to say oh my gosh it worked we were actually able to help this person and now yeah. look at them thriving look at yeah. her stepping into school and not ju- I mean and just crushing university yeah <laughs> like absolutely, absolutely crushing it She's you know brilliant. and those are the stories yeah. that we get to we get the privilege to see week after week, month after month. And there are stretches where you, I have heard our team talk about you just put in the work and you don't know if there's going to be a reward because it is a really difficult line of work. Uh, But then we are starting to see more and more and more stories like this where it's working. It's actually working. And yeah, yeah, I think privilege is the word that comes to my mind. It's just an absolute privilege to get to be a teeny tiny part of this work. Hey, I'm just jumping in here real quick. If you're listening to this conversation and you're like, I want to be a part of the work that A21 is doing, I didn't want you to have to wait until the end to know how to get involved and what jumping in could look like. Number one, we want to empower you to be an advocate in your community. So we have tons of free downloadable resources on our website at a21.org slash education. These are meant for whatever context you find yourself in. If you're a parent, if you're a student, if you are someone who's just looking to mobilize your community, we have multiple resources in multiple languages. So you can find those at a21.org slash education and you can download them immediately and begin using those to equip yourself and equip the community and people that are around you. Number two, you can find and follow A21 on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. So search at A21. And what you'll see on our social media channels is this year we're celebrating our 15th birthday. So we'll have a lot of stories and information. We also share breaking news of survivors that are finding freedom from exploitation, including stories from our freedom centers worldwide. We also will share information about events that are happening like Walk for Freedom. And that happens in communities around the world in October. So you can follow and share on your personal social media channels for your friends and family to see. And that's at A21 on social media. And the last thing, and this isn't the final thing, but the last thing that I'll mention for now is that you can actually invest in the work that we are doing. Like Annie and I are talking about, we have teams worldwide doing incredible work in this anti-human trafficking movement. So you can give once, just give a gift at one time at a21.org slash give, or you can become a monthly freedom sponsor. And so that is where you can automatically have whatever amount, anything that makes sense for you and your generosity and your budget, you can have that automatically deducted each month. And I have the privilege of seeing how far 
these donations go. So even if you think this small investment won't make much of a difference, I can tell you that your generosity is fueling our ability to continue to do the work that we're talking about in this conversation and just show up globally in the fight against human trafficking. So you can invest in the work that we are doing at a21.org slash give. And now I'm going to let us go back to our conversation with Annie and I'll jump back in at the end to give these resources one more time. From your seat on the bus, kind of being over the people part of our team and HR, what are your hopes for the future? We're at 15 years, but what is your hope for us as an organization moving forward? What do you hope for the next 15? We've got big plans for the years coming coming up. We do. And, and we, we can't actually, talk about a lot of them. But. <laughs> I know, I know. But oh my gosh, we just did, we just had some of our team present to our board um, a, couple, a couple weeks ago. And I wanted to like jump up and down and just like, I just, where we're headed and the vision for what's ahead um, in a lot of ways is actually very similar to how we started in terms of, um, we don't think we're the hero. We, we want to empower people. We want to empower as many people as we absolutely can to be able to use what's in their hand to make a difference. And what I am the most excited for is, um, to see that outworked, to see, to really see, um, the things that we have learned and, um, the tools that we've been able to develop to be able to put those in the hands of other people and to see the efforts multiplied. And so it's not like A21 is out there, the hero, but the influence and the mobilization of really getting people involved and just using what is in their hand, like not some complicated, you know, go join up and list yourself, whatever, but wherever you are, like whether you're a mechanic or a dentist or a barista or whatever, there, there is a way to use what's in your hand to make a difference. And, um, I think I, what I'm most excited about is seeing that become more and more of a reality. And then also me personally, I would love to see some of that. I don't know the, I think, I know I'm biased because, you know, I, I am in HR and I do work, I get to work with our whole team. <laughs> You're like, I, I picked these people. <laughs> I really <Yeah>. do believe, <laughs> I really do believe that we have some of the most incredible people on the planet, but it's, it's an attitude thing. It's a heart thing. It's a, it's not just skills. It's, I mean, Simon Sinek, he, he has this quote, he says, you don't hire for skills, you hire for attitude. You can always teach skills. And I think that, um, we have, we value that, like that principle so much, like it is, it is attitude. And if we can also figure out a way as we're putting tools in people's hands and helping mobilize people, if we can also find a way to help people catch that, I don't know, secret ingredients of this, like, um, culture that we have within our team, this work hard, play hard, be there for each other. You know, you're on, you're on the planet for like that much time and that's it. (laughs) So let's go for it. Let's give it all we've got. Let's make a difference. Let's, you know, let's not just try and store up all the things we can while we're in this life, but, you know, kind of race to the end of life and fall into the grave exhausted and go, I did it. (laughs) I gave it everything I've got. It was worth it. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I've heard that, that you want to show up to the finish line, like bumped and bruised and like haggard. (laughs) Like I left it all on the field. Yes. (laughs) Nothing I did not like, you know, reserve till the very end. And that's true. That's how a lot of our team approaches whatever aspect of their work that they're in. I even think about our, um, our, CFO. Like she Mm. is over our accounting, but I've never met anyone else that (laughs) approaches life in that same way. Like she leaves it all on the field. Like she is not holding back, you know? And then I also, of course, think of our aftercare teams and our teams who are recording videos and creating resources. Like it truly is across the board, this just tenacity that has Mm. been really inspiring. And yeah, it's been a joy to be a part of it. I mean, I started as a volunteer in our office in California and then got to ride the wave of us launching our office in Dallas and got to be on the comm scene for a bit. And now I'm on our strategic team getting to just help people know this story. And yeah, yeah, it's been amazing. So I can't wait to see what comes next. It's going to be, I think our best days are ahead. I truly think our best days are ahead. I agree with you. I totally agree. It's going to be fun. (laughs) 
Well, and then I would love to know too, for you as, as our chief talent officer, as the people manager for kind of leading that aspect of who we are, how do you lead well remotely? And how do you lead a team, a global Mm. team? Well, I'm just curious, like, how do you do that? What are some things that you practice or that you've learned so far? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think that Oh, I asked this question over and over and over again when 2020 started and just trying to like really figure this out. And I feel like we're still, to a certain degree, I hope we're always learning and always trying to get better at it. But one of the things that I've learned um, for sure is, is to listen. Don't just read, but to listen. Get on a video call, pick up the phone, um, make the effort to connect in a human way and to really... Um, prioritize that. And I think that that has been something that, um, helps keep people connected. We we are, I feel like we're going into a new age with AI and technology and working Mm -hmm. remote. And we are going to have to make the effort to truly connect with human beings. I mean, that old saying, you know, people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And they're not going to know that unless you build that relationship with them. And I think that, um, listening to people and really trying to learn somebody and really trying to figure out where somebody's at makes all the difference. It makes all the difference in the world. And then making the effort to also connect in person sometimes as well, like get on the plane. We, last year, we, we decided to pull all of our, um, the country managers and the regional leaders, the regional directors Mm -hmm. over all together to meet in person. And so we decided, we picked a country we'd never been to. We went to Latvia and, um, I know I remember when I was seeing this, I was like, Latvia, how do we end up in Latvia? (laughs) It was like, nobody had ever been there before. And and, and to be honest, it's cheap. So (laughs) it was like, we are a nonprofit. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, but it was, it was enough, like to, to share like another highlight to see everybody in person and to spend that time together dreaming, but playing and laughing and hanging out and just talking. You couldn't put a price on it. You, and the wind that it put in everybody's sails, the, the, everyone left energized, revised, full of vision and hope and like relationships deepened. Like there is it is such an important thing to make sure that we prioritize people and not tasks. And I mean, that's part, it's one of our core values. Like we care more about the people we work with more than the projects we work on. And I, I think that the more that we really try to live that out, um, that when it comes to working remote, you've got to make that effort. You've got to make that effort to truly connect. You've got to make that space. And, um, you know, I, it's funny when, when I have, I'll jump on a zoom call with organizations, um, like, you know, outside organizations and have meetings that way. No one ever turns on their camera. And I've noticed like, if there's a couple of us from a 20, we all jump on and we're like, camera's on yeah. like nobody else. Like this is awkward. Yeah, I've done the exact same thing. I literally did that in a call a couple days ago with someone. And, and then you're like, do I leave it on? I do know. I, I don't. What do I do now? Yeah, that's just how we do things. Just, the camera's always on for better it's or true. for worse too. It's so, it's so. true. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. But it makes a difference. Hey, it makes a difference. You get to learn somebody. And, um, yeah, that, that would be, I guess you could say one thing that I've definitely learned, um, in terms of working remote is, um, and even when we're doing interviews, like we do a lot of our interviews over zoom, but we've Mm got to have at least one in-person meeting before we can make an offer. Uh, because it just, you learn so much more about somebody in person. You just get to see their real self. Yeah. So yeah. There are aspects of it that can't be replaced with a Zoom or with a phone call. Like you really do have to, you know, make that effort to really know someone. And I think that communicates value to them as well. Like, hey, we're setting aside yeah. this time. We will travel. Like we will see you. And it, yeah, it, I think also when you're talking about listening, I do think it takes a little bit of courage and humility to truly listen because we know mm. that soliciting feedback is good and that's a good practice. But to listen, especially as someone like you who's been here 
here from the beginning to listen and to have, you know, new people come in and say, why do we do it this way? Or what about mm-hmm. this? Like that takes humility to hear it and to not be like, well, we do it that way because we thought that was the best way. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> totally. we truly thought that was the best thing to do. But right. to say, okay, I hear you. And yeah. yeah, now let's, I don't know, let's try things. And you've said that Nick and Chris really model that so well. And of course, Chris yeah. is the more well-known out of the two. But I tell people all the time, working for Nick has been a delight. He's a phenomenal leader. And he truly sets the pace for what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was lucky enough to get to work in the California office and start there with him as leadership in that office specifically. And it was amazing. It was so amazing. You catch the heart for something really, really quickly when you have leaders like Nick, Chris, and I would say like yourself, who are modeling that. We want to listen. We want to do this well. And we don't want to burn our people out along the way because compassion fatigue and burnout can be so real if we're not careful. So I think you guys have done a great job personally, in my opinion. (laughs) I'm still here. So I think think it's great. But (laughs) yeah. And I would love to know, so kind of the last question that I always ask people on this podcast, since it's called More with Nikki Dutton, that came out of this idea of just finding the more that's in life around us and work in the causes that we're about. What does more look like for Annie Cardas right now? You know what? This is going to sound, this might sound lame, but I have, I have learned that if I want more in my life, I have to think about it first because my life has gotten so fast and so full. It just kind of happens. And so I have to first identify what do I want? What do I really want? What do I want in this year? What do I want for my kids? What do I want, you know, what do I want to get out of um, the next quarter that we've got coming up with work? And then taking the time to schedule that in. If I put something in my calendar, it will happen. If I don't put something in my calendar, mm-hmm. I get run around by, you know, the fires that start, the, you know, the drama that happens, the things that, right. you know, call for my attention. And, and I don't find them more for myself or find the, achieve the goals I really want to achieve. So I have, and I've, I've really only like, I've really only been learning this really well in the last, I would say six months. Like I have got to get better at putting things on my schedule. And that way I feel like the more I, the more I can schedule, the more free I am to be present Mm -hmm. because I know I like I, when my little alarm bell comes off and I've got a meeting coming up, I'm going to my meeting, but I am going to be fully present to be able to have this conversation, to be able to be with my kids, to be able to, you know, do whatever and have that flexibility built in because I've got, um, I know that the path is set for going forward. So, um, yeah. I signed up for a Greek class a couple of months ago and, um, and so you're doing it. You're going to learn this Greek. Oh, after 10 years, <laughs> you think, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I should be fluent by now. And I can, I'm like Peppa Pig level, but as my boys are getting older and I've come to the realization, yes. like if I don't learn this language, they're going to be able to talk about me behind my back, right in front of my face. Yes. And I won't even know. So yes. I am, I'm determined that I'm going to, it's going to happen. But um, it's, yeah, you got to put it on the schedule. If you put it on the schedule, yeah. it will happen. But if you're not intentional about it, it won't. So one, it's it's going, what do I really want? Like, do I, what vacation do I want to go on? If I don't put a vacation in my calendar, it's just like life just keeps then going. Then we just and won't keep, take it. Right. Yes. I've And I've done so many years like that. I just don't make it a big thing. And I love to make big things. Like I love to celebrate stuff, you know, like reach milestones and celebrate them and I have learned for me right now and life is full. If I get on my calendar, it'll happen. I can make it happen in my life. I do get that. It's weird how routine and schedule can actually create more freedom. It seems like counterintuitive to me, but I I learned that as well. That the more that I have routine and structure and schedule, the more that I have free time and margin Mm -hmm. for other Mm -hmm. things. And it's funny, you're, I think, maybe the third or fourth person when I've asked them this question, it falls in this category. Really? I don't know why that (laughs) is. Is, but I've heard a lot of people talking about this, this concept of just finding your rhythm, identifying what's important mm-hmm. so that it creates margin and your ability yeah. to do more, truly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like I just, I'm just learning that myself. <laughs> so it's my own personal new <laughs> revelation. <laughs> I was going to say, when you figure it out, let me know. Pass yeah. it along. <laughs> Well, 
Annie, thank you so much. I mean, of course, thank you for taking the time today to sit with me and to navigate time zones and to put me on your calendar. I got to be a ding that went off today on your calendar. (laughs) So thank you. But also thank you. Thank you and the original team. And I think about those original volunteers, the people who really launched this whole thing that then I got to step into in 2019. I mean, Mm. I'm just so grateful. So I just really appreciate you. I appreciate Nick and Chris and Bill and Brandy Mm -hmm. and all of our amazing leadership. I mean, I'm just really, really grateful for you guys. So thanks for creating something that I got to step into. Oh, well, thank you for being a part of it. Wow. Okay. So that was the best part of my day. Of course, because I am passionate about A21, but also Annie is just such a delight to get to spend time with. And so I'm glad that we could connect between Greece and Georgia this morning. And wherever you are, I just want to encourage you, if you're listening to this conversation, like we've talked about a few times already, and you want to take that next step, Truly, you can make a difference wherever you are, whatever context you're in, whatever season of life you're in. And I know I've already thrown a lot of options at you, like our free downloadable resources or following A21 on social media, giving to A21, participating in Walk for Freedom in October. You can actually host Walk for Freedom in your city, in your town in October. There are so many things that you can do. Here's what I would encourage. I would encourage, number one, just take that first step of following A21 on social media. That's at a21.org. And you can see all of the latest updates from our team of what's happening in the work that we're doing. But you can also find out what it looks like to be involved with this fight at a global level. And I would also encourage you to save the National Human Trafficking Hotline if you're listening to me in the U.S. and your phone. If you don't know it, it will be in the show notes, but it is 1-888-373-7888. Again, in the U.S., the National Human Trafficking Hotline is 888-373-7888. If you suspect anything suspicious in your community, or if you just want to save it in your phone that you have it, just in case you become across a situation. I just think that's a really great first step. So we've given you a lot of options, a lot of on-ramps into the anti-trafficking movement and partnering with A21. But if you have any questions whatsoever, please reach out to me. I've got my email in the episode description here, and I would love just to be an encouragement to you and whatever that looks like for you. So thank you for your time. Hope that you enjoyed it. And until next time.